Thanks for joining us here today at Emmanuel, where we're one church with multiple locations. In a few moments, you're going to hear practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is relevant and inspiring to your life. If this service blesses you and you'd like to give financially, you can go to eclife.org, click Give, and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you, and get ready for a life-changing message. Well, good morning, church. How are you feeling this morning? It's a joy to be here with you today, and I really, truly mean that. I wake up sometimes and I think, do I really get to do what I'm about to do? And it's like surreal. It's like, yeah, I get to, I get to spend time with God's people and open His Word and encourage and, and teach some and inspire some. And it is an absolute joy to be able to do that for you. And I absolutely love it. And I love you. So uh, before we get started, let's welcome our online audience. Those of you watching online, we welcome you all across the world, literally. There's some of you in your pajamas right now watching because you're sick. There's some of you on vacation right now. You're on a trip or you're watching your daughter's basketball game because she's on the travel team and we welcome you. And so it's very, very exciting to be online uh, live for you and for your friends. In fact, our online... Basically, our online strategy is really helpful if you have friends that are interested in church and you want to give them a, a, a first peek or a sneak peek into what's going on in our church, just say, hey, watch it online. You don't even have to come. First, just watch it. And if it's something that you really enjoy, uh, then consider maybe coming with us. So you want, might, might want to use that as you relentlessly pursue your friends who, are, who have said no to church and that have said no to God as well. And so be thinking about that. But we welcome our online audience. We're in a series right now called Be Generous. And before we get started, I just want to pause really quick and and just honor our veterans. Last week was, uh, last, yesterday was Veterans Day. And so if you are a veteran for our country, would you please stand really quick? We just want to love on you. Just go ahead. Go ahead and stand up. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. important to do that in our world today. Our world's getting a little nutty, getting a little crazy, and we just want you veterans to know that we honor you and we will say to you that our country would not be what it is today without folks like you stepping up to defend our freedom and uh, to protect our way of life as we know it. So thank you so much. So I appreciate you. Uh, okay, so yeah, one more time. Let's give it up for our veterans. Absolutely. Love it, love it, love it. Awesome. So be generous. We started this series last week, and what we said is that Christ followers or believers or people of faith or disciples of Jesus ought to be the most generous people in the world because we are saying that we follow the most generous being in the world, and that is God, right? God the Father, as the Bible tells us in a couple of different places, because of his love for us, he sent his one and only son into this world that we might have eternal life and abundant life through him. Like God gave his very best. He held nothing back so that you and I can experience eternal life. And then the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, and if you were here last week, you saw this, that Paul tells Christ followers to be imitators, to mimic, to follow the example of God. In how? In what, in what way? In love. The Bible says that Christ gave his life as a, a, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. And so we're called to mimic this God. And so we ought to be the most generous people in the world because God gave his very, very best. He opened up his heart. He opened up his hand. He gave us Christ. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He rose again the third day to, to secure abundant life, eternal life for you and us. 
But the problem is what we said last week, and if you were here, we said that there really is no epidemic of generosity among Christ followers. Like, there's, there's just not. The, statistic, the statistics will prove it across the country. And even within our church, if you were here last week, you saw that only 29% of people who come to Emmanuel on a regular basis will support us financially as the buckets go by or online or through text messaging. So about, you know, 71% of, of, of the attenders at Emmanuel simply opt out of financial support. And so there's no epidemic of generosity and only 12% of those who attend Emmanuel regularly will jump in and serve an hour here or an hour there. There's no epidemic of volunteerism uh, in our church. And it's not just some, that's not just us. That's across the board, across America. That's a, those are the averages for churches across America. There is no epidemic of generosity. So I'm kind of coming at this series from, from a coach's perspective. Like if, if a coach saw his team underperforming, what would that coach do? He'd probably get in their face and say, come on, you guys have more in you, right? You you can rebound better. You can box out better. You can, you can, you know, you can break the press better, or you can run the offense better. And the coach would kind of get in the in the players' faces and say, "There's more in you." And so that's sort of what this series is all about. And so if I come down hard on you a little bit, because just just know this comes from a place of love. I see better things from you, and I want better things for you, and so does God. And so we're talking about moving towards generosity. And we're, the, reason, the reason that there's not an epidemic of generosity in this world today, and even in our church, is, be, is simply because I believe there's no vision of it. Like, we don't have a picture of, of a better life. See, what we've all been sold, and if you've, if you've recognized it or paid attention, we've all been sold this idea that, that true happiness or true life comes from, self, from, from getting things for yourself from accumulating things from yourself or buying more things for yourself or accumulating more money for yourself. And so we've kind of bought into that, that idea that that's where true life is found. And so we have, we have nothing to compare that to. Like, is it actually better to, to give than it is to receive? That's the way Jesus said it. Jesus said it's actually more blessed or there's more happiness available to those who give than there is for those who receive. And, and that's, a, that's a tough idea because that takes faith. To believe that. And so what we said was we wanted to create a vision of what that generous life looks like so that we can shoot towards something, so we could have a target to hit. And so last week we began by saying that a generous life or a generous person experiences increased levels of happiness. And I challenged you last week to go out and run a little experiment and to be a little bit more generous and to open up your heart and to open up your hands and maybe give some of your time and to see if that affected your emotional state. Did you take, did you take me up on the experiment? All right. Got a little work to do today. I got to preach a little better, okay? But one person did. I saw one hand go up. Uh, but this person on Twitter yesterday, this is what she said. For a friend of mine, her name's Christy. She said this. She said, I feel so alive this week. This is based on last week's sermon. She took, up, she took me up on the challenge. I feel so alive this week. I have made a conscious effort to be generous with my time and patience with not only my ever so loving tiny humans, a.k.a. children, <laughs> but also strangers and those around me. I feel so alive. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Like true happiness comes when we're generous instead of being selfish. And that, that takes faith to believe that. Some people took me up on the challenge. I hope you will try it this week. And so that was last week. Today I want to kind of paint a little bit more of what this looks, this vision of a generous life looks like. So if you're a note taker, I hope you are. Check it out in your notes there. A generous person experiences real hope. A generous person experiences real hope. Now, I sort of don't like that word hope. It sounds soft. 
It sounds squishy. You, you with me? You know, some words just kind of sound like ah, weak, vague, unclear, hope. That's one of those words for me. It's not like a real word like, like perseverance. You know, that's a good, solid word, right? Or discipline. Didn't you like that word discipline? I mean, you probably don't like that word. Just, just something like, a, like, like I don't know, uh, like, I don't know, it just it sounds so soft to me. But, but as I thought about this word hope, it's not a soft word. It's not a squishy word. It's not a vague word. It's actually a very concrete word. It's a very solid idea. The definition of hope, if, if, if we want to kind of get our brains wrapped around it, hope, hope is simply this emotion or this feeling that what is wanted can actually be had. That's what hope is. And if you think about hope from this perspective, it's extraordinarily solid in your life because you use it every day. Like some of you are in a marriage right now and it's hard. And the only reason you're staying in the marriage is because of hope. You're believing in your heart that one day this deal could get better. And she won't be so fill in the blank and he won't be so fill in the blank. (laughs) Right? Anybody in a tough marriage? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, Just... And so you're in it, you're sticking in it because you have hope that one day you can have what you would like, which would be a better marriage, right? Some of you are parenting children right now, and hope is the only thing. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like one day, they'll be gone. Not that, not that hope, not that hope. Maybe a little bit of that, but... Seriously, like hope is the only thing that got me through college. I'm, not, I'm dead serious. Like I'm junior year, you know, in college, you've been there, done that. Now there's more papers and more tests and more papers and more tests. And you're like, I am going to quit. And so, but someone told me, a lot of people told me, if you really want to be something with your life, you have to have a degree. And so I held on to that and I thought, I've got to hang in here and write this stupid paper and take this stupid test so that one day I could be a success in my life. It was the hope. It was hope of what, of the future that helped me to, to stick it out in college. You, you with me? Hope is a solid idea. It's very real. It's not squishy. It's not fluffy. In fact, I said to the, to the, to the uh, service last night that hope, hope for the future fuels effort in the present. Think about that. Like, it's, it's my hope for a better future that keeps me going right now. It fuels my effort day in and day out. But as soon as a person loses hope for the future, what do they do? They give up in the present. They quit on the marriage. They quit on the college. They quit on the job. They quit on the, on the deal. And they stop because they don't believe that the future can be better. Hope is a solid idea. It's very real. And we use it every single day in our lives. Now, it's with that definition and with that explanation that I want to I talk about one of the problems of generosity, okay? So hang on to that mentally, what I just said, and we'll dive into what I think is a big problem with generosity. Our problem with generosity is misplaced hope. Our problem with generosity is that we've put our hope in the wrong place. 
And that's what the context is of what Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy. He's, t- Paul is this super, you know, spiritual mentor of, of Timothy. And he's, his, Timothy is his protege, his disciple. And he's just pouring, saying all these things. You need to understand this. You need to understand this. Here's what you need to tell your people. He's just mentoring Timothy. And listen to what he says to Timothy. He's giving Timothy some coaching on what to say to the, to the rich people. And w- the way we defined rich last week, if you were here it's not like, you know, uh, Warren Buffett rich or, or, or Bill Gates rich. It's just people who have what they need and then some extra. That's, that's what rich is, okay? So he's, he's giving him some coaching. He says, command those who are rich in this, watch this, this present world, the, the world that we're living in right now, the here and now, command those who, are, who have extra in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their, say it with me, their hope. So we're going to put our hope somewhere right? Command them not to look down on others or to put their hope in money, in wealth, in their resources, which is so uncertain. You see, what happens all too often is that we're short-sighted. What Paul is really telling Timothy here is that command the people who have extra in your congregation not to set their sights on this life, because money in the, and, and, and having money in our hands or money in our accounts, it only impacts this life, this present life, this present world that we're currently in right now. Don't put your hope only in this life is really the coaching that Paul is giving to Timothy. Don't put your hope in money because here's what happens if we put our hope in money and this present world and this life which is so short. The Bible calls it a vapor, a a breath of air. The Bible says that our lives, our physical lives right now are like a passing shadow. You ever watch it? You can physically see a shadow pass by. It's the Bible calls our lives. It's here today and gone tomorrow. One passage says it's like the grass. It's, it's alive in one season, then it dies. Don't put your hope in this life because if you do, then what's going to happen is your hands are going to close up and your heart will close up. Because if life is all about, if your hope is in this life only, then, then you need it all for yourself, see? And gen- there's no possibility for generosity because now I need the money for me. There's only so much, and I need it for, 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 for my sense of identity, for my sense of community, for, for, for my sense of security, for my sense of identity, which money cannot do any of those things. It, it might be able to do it for a little while in this present world. Don't put your hope in this present life or the, or the wealth that you have right now because if you do, your hands close up and your heart closes up and you're only going to think about you. You need the money. You're not going to give it away. See, the problem with generosity, our problem with generosity is misplaced hope. So, so what does Paul tell Timothy to tell the people who are rich in his church? He tells them very simply to switch their hope. That's what he says. He says what you guys need to do is switch your hope. Stop hoping in this life, this, the, the money that you have now, this short life that you have, and, and I want you to switch your hope, and I want you to put it somewhere else. Look what he says here in the next phrase. But rather, instead of hoping in, in your money, which is so uncertain, put your hope in what? In God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, I want you to think bigger because I, 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 need, you to, I need you to take the long view. I need you to understand that, that, that you need to be thinking about eternity. God is eternal. Stop thinking about the present moment. You take the long view. Expand your perspective. In other words, you have to begin thinking about your forever. 
because you will live forever. And when you, think, when you start thinking about the forever and you start thinking about eternity and you take the eternal perspective, watch what happens in the next verse. He's, set, he's setting them up. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. Well, what, uh, what unlocks my heart? What opens up my hands to be rich in good deeds and, and to start to be, say it with me, generous and willing to share? What does that? It's, it's when I switch my hope from this life to, to eternity. You with me? Now my heart opens up and my hands open up and my schedule opens up because now I'm thinking about the long term. I'm thinking about the forever. Paul says this in the next phrase. In this way they will lay up, say it with me, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Wow. Let's just pause there for a second. Let's just let that sink in. You got to let this sink in. Sometimes we got to think deeply. we got to pause and say, wow, the coming age. What's the coming age? It's not this present life. It's the life that you and I will experience after we die. You know, there's a 100% death rate. <laughs> I am going to die, and so are you. Paul says you have to understand that your generous deeds... Your willingness to share will impact your forever in the coming age. And when you're generous practically here with the resources you have now, you are literally laying up treasure in the coming age. Wow, that's such an incredible transforming thought. It gets, out, gets us out of hoping in this present life. And, because here's where I get stuck sometimes, and I'm a human being just like you. You know, and I just turned 40, and, 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 and I'm thinking about, okay, and when I retire, are my investments now going to allow my wife and I to live a lifestyle when we're 65 that we desire and maybe do some traveling and maybe, you know, we're, we're, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about this present life, and I'm not against investments. We do our investments. We do the 401ks and the mutual funds, and we do some real estate. We do that stuff. I'm not against that stuff, but, but I'm saying don't get caught up there. Because you will live forever. So don't just invest in this life. Step back and start investing in eternity. I love, I love the example that Francis Chan gives. You've probably seen it on YouTube. He gives this example. He says, you know, your life is eternal and you'll live forever. And, and this rope sort of represents your life. And your life on earth is, is this little red, you know, section right here. And your eternal life just keeps going and going and going on. You've probably seen me use this example before. And it's just, it's just forever. And of course, this rope will not go on forever. But it goes on for a long time. And I think it's a good example because this is what, sort of what it looks like. It's like my life is right here and, and, and this is the rest of my life. Paul says, don't, don't, don't put your hope here alone. And, and this section, you know, from like, I don't know, from when you're born to when you're like 65 and then all your hope is in this little section right here so you can retire and travel and have a, a nice, you know, uh, come on. He says, think, think bigger than that. Don't put your hope there. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in the eternal. And then when that happens, your heart opens up. And you begin to share the things that you have because you're laying up treasures in heaven forever. Does that make sense? 
He said, where did Paul get this language? He got it from Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Some of you are wondering, did Jesus talk about that? You ever wonder that? You need to. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth, right? Where moths eat, eat them and rust destroys them and erosive agents attack your investments, right? A lot of our stuff's gonna end up in a junkyard. You ever think about that? Like the house I live in, not one day is gonna be knocked down by bulldozers. True. Eventually, yours will too. And where thieves break in and steal, he said, don't, don't, don't live, don't live for this, don't live for this right here. Come on, come on. I know we have to live in this, in this section, but don't live for it only. Don't put your hope there. Watch, he says this, next phrase. He says, rather store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wow. That's where Paul got the language in 1 Timothy. He got it from Matthew chapter 6. He got it from what Jesus was talking about. You see, when we reorient our lives, this is a big idea. When we reorient our lives around things that last forever, then our hearts and our wallets and our schedules will open up. That's absolutely true. See, the problem with generosity is a misplaced hope. If we switch our hope, we'll begin to open up our hearts. So that begs two questions. Ready? Here are the questions. Number one, what are treasures in heaven? Like, if that's what we ought to be doing, Jesus said it, Paul said it, what are they? And then how do we do it? Like, how do we actually store them up? Very good. I'm so glad that you guys were wondering those two questions. You were, right? You, I was thinking it. You were thinking it too. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. You know, obviously, you know, we're not talking about cars and jewelry and clothing. Like, that stuff's going to end up in the junkyard or at Goodwill or we're going to give it to our kids if you have some. Right? So we can't take, you don't see U-Hauls behind hearses, right? That's not, I know that's cliche, but you don't see it going down the street. You just see the hearse, a bunch of cars behind it, maybe a few police officers. But you see no U-Hauls. Listen to what Solomon said. He told us this. He said, we all come into this world, or we all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as the day we were born. We cannot take our riches with us. So obviously, it's not the stuff of this life. So then what is it? What are treasures in heaven, and how do we store them up? Three things, ready? Number one in your notes, God is eternal. What is eternal? We're investing in things that last forever. What are the things that last forever? God is eternal. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Don't you know, haven't you heard? The eternal God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not grow tired or weary. God is eternal. What does that mean? He's everlasting. He always was. He always will be. He never had a beginning. I know that hurts your brain because it hurts mine but he's eternal. What does that mean for us? How do, we, how do we invest in God? Well, I think the way we could say it is, 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 is like this. We need to invest in our relationship with him. If you're a disciple, you're going to live forever with God in heaven. God will be the center, the central focus of our lives. There'll be no sun, the Bible says, right? Because God will light everything up. God will be the center of our lives in the coming age. I think we ought to get to know him, don't you think? (laughs) I think a time investment of knowing this eternal God is an eternal investment that will pay dividends. I think that's how we store up treasures in heaven. We get to know this God. One time Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who you have sent. Knowing God, time spent getting to know God. You know, it's one thing to know something about somebody, and it's another thing to know them. Do you agree? Let me give you an example. I know a lot about Michael Jordan. Some of you get tired of hearing about it, 
right? 1982 winning shot, North Carolina, right? Put him on the map from the elbow. You know what I'm talking about? Do I need to show the video? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know a lot about him. Guess what? I don't know him. I know my wife. I have intimate knowledge of my wife. I know what she's like in the morning. Sweet, gentle, soft, godly. (laughs) After she has her coffee. (laughs) I have intimate knowledge of Jackie Anderson. I know her. How? We invest time together. We talk about what, what, what we hope for and what we desire and what we're afraid of and what we don't like and what we love and our children and, 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 and we, we date and we take, we take extended weekends away and we know each other because we invest time. Are you investing time in knowing God? I ask some people sometimes, do you, are you spending time with Jesus and prayer and meditation and Bible study? Here's what they say. I'm so... I'm so busy. Busy? Busy? Too busy to to get to know the God who created you? The God that you will spend forever with? You're too busy? What? Time spent in knowing God is the greatest time spent in your life. So that's why every morning before I do anything else before I came here today, I find a quiet place and I, I seek God. God, what do you like? What do you hope for? Right now I'm in the book of Ezekiel and I'm hearing God say, I just want to be known. I just, I just want people to know me. I'm in the book of Hebrews, you know, and I'm discovering what faith is this morning. And God wants, he wants, he wants people to trust him, you know, getting to know God through the scriptures and prayer. No better investment of my time in this life than getting to know God. That's, a, that's an eternal investment that will pay dividends. You agree? You're not too busy to get to know God. Guess the number one thing on your list. And by the way, heaven, when we get there, if we get there, right? If you have faith in Christ, there's different levels. There's different levels in heaven. You know, what, what you do here impacts you, the condition of your life there. Right? So this this impacts all of this. <laughs> Don't kid yourselves. So, so the people who know God and sought him and, and discovered his mind and his heart and walked with him in this life, their, their eternity is going to be different than others. Others will get there by the skin of their teeth. It's true. The Bible talks about that. Some of you are going to scrape in. <laughs> now, that's better than nothing. That's better than going to the other place, right? You agree? <laughs> But man, I don't think you're going to want to scrape in by the skin of your teeth. Know him. Number two, number two, you are eternal. We're talking about eternal investments. We're talking about what what are they and how do you make investments in them, right? You are an eternal being. I love what Dallas Willard said, one of my favorite authors. He said, you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. What a statement. I personalize it and I say to myself sometimes, Danny, you, I am a unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And that just brings my whole life into perspective. It stops me from thinking so much about this right here. Like I will live forever. So what does that mean? 
Well, I need to invest in the type of person that I am, my character, because the only thing I'm gonna take with me into eternity and the only thing you're gonna take with you into eternity is your character, folks. Your honesty, your integrity, your emotions, your thought life, who you are on the inside, that, my friends, goes with you into eternity and it impacts the quality of life you will experience in heaven. Wow. So you better start investing in who you are as a person Are you a person who's always anxious, always fearful, always angry, always lustful? You better get to work on that, see? Your mind and your will and your emotions. There's no greater investment other than making an investment in knowing God than investing in your own character transformation. I know this is tough because some of you are like, man, he's being mean today. No, 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 no. Hear my heart. Hear my heart. I want what's best for you. And this is the work that has to be done. This is laying up treasures in heaven. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Live that way. Invest in your character development, right? Work on yourself. And then number three, other people. Other people. What's what's going to be in heaven? God, you, and other people. And we also know there's going to be no cats for sure. So no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now they may be there. I'm not sure. I don't know that for certain, but... I have a hunch, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) People send me cat videos now to try to change my mind, you know, it's like, anyway. um, (laughs) Other people will be there. Other people. C.S. Lewis is is an author that has shaped my my spiritual understanding of life and God and myself. And in his difficult, fantastic book, The Weight of Glory, he writes about how it's a serious thing to live in a society of, 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 of people that will live forever. It's a very serious thing. It's a serious thing to look into somebody's eyes. It's a serious thing to have an interaction with a human being because they're immortal, right? And if you saw them in their glorified state, you might be tempted to worship them. And if you saw them in their defeated state, separated from God in hell, you'd run for your life. Immortal people. He says this in his book, he says, there are no, there's no such thing as an ordinary person. Or there, are no, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Changed my life. It's one of the reasons I'm a pastor today. It's because people last forever. My shirt won't. My iPhone won't. It's all junk. It's all garbage. But you will. And you will. You'll last forever. So what's the best use of my time? From an eternal perspective. I'm going to invest in people. I'm going to try to help people. People will last forever. So when you look back at Timothy and you hear him saying, come on, come on, come on, don't put your hope in money, it's so uncertain, come on, put your hope in God and and be rich in good deeds and and be generous and be willing to share. In this way, in this way, you will lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. How do you lay up treasures for yourself in heaven? Love people, help people, invest in people. Don't snub them, don't hurt them, don't steal from them, don't rob them, don't put them down, don't talk down to them. Encourage them, love them, help them. And that is an eternal investment. Jesus said one time, blows my mind, blows my mind, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, watch this. 
And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Jesus says, I'm watching even a cup of water. I'm watching your life. And when you get down and you, and you offer a cup of water to a person or a child or you help in any way and provide some encouragement or hope or, or assistance or help, I'm watching that and you will surely be rewarded. What's he talking about? This life or the coming age? He's talking about the coming age, right? He's talking about storing up treasures in heaven. Changes your whole life. Opens up your heart. Opens up your hands. To become a generous person. Let me close with this question. Where is your hope? Where have you placed your hope? Is it in this life? If it's in this life, your hands and your heart will close up. Your schedule is your schedule. You'll be selfish with your time. You'll be selfish with your money. You'll be selfish with everything because it's all about you. Because I only have, I only have this much time right here. And I got to get everything for myself. If your hope is in this life. Or is your hope in God? Is your hope in the eternal? And when you do that, your hand, your heart, your hands and your heart, they open up and, and you start to have real hope for the coming age. Does that make sense? You know, something about these investments that brings me joy and solidifies the, 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 the faith that I have and, and the hope that I have is that Jesus said, when you do store up these treasures in heaven, moth and rust and all the erosive elements that affect this life, they do not eat. They do not attack your, your, your investments in heaven. Thieves will not break in. There'll be no recessions and no depressions in heaven that will cause your investments in heaven to become devalued. In other words, Jesus is guaranteeing, he's giving us a 100% guarantee return our investment. You cannot get that on earth, folks. <laughs> You give a cup of water to a little child, there is a 100% guarantee that you'll be rewarded in the next life. A cup of water. What if you help build a church in Nicaragua or Colombia? What kind of reward do you get for that? Like, that's what I'm talking about. When you get that vision, you start to say, what can I do that's bigger than my life? And your heart starts to open up and it's not even about an amount of money, it could be $10. Because that's all you can afford right now. But all of a sudden, it starts to come. It starts to go right out of your hands. Why? Because you have the long view. You have the eternal perspective. Does that make sense? 100% guarantee. So my, my challenge to you today and this week is to, just like last week, you got to take these challenges. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You got to go into this week and you got to say, okay, God, I'm going to invest in knowing you. I'm going to invest in my character development. And I'm going to invest in other people. Those are, those are treasures, 100% guarantee. And run a little experiment, see what happens. See if it doesn't affect you emotionally. See if it doesn't increase your happiness. And at the, at the end of the day, you know what this really is? This is an issue of faith. Like I just mapped it out for you, right? Paul said it, Jesus said it, you know, Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15, can't take your riches with you. Like, like you've heard the word of God. Now you have to say, do I believe that? Or is that just kind of like Danny has to come up with something on Sunday? So, you know, he gave this talk. Like, I'll, 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 like that's not the case. I promise you that is not the case. Like, do you believe what Jesus said? It's an issue of faith. Now, here's how I'll know if you believe it. 
if our numbers change at this church. Remember 29-12? If, if it stays the same, if it's 29-12, it stays the same, I know that the level of the faith of the believers or the, the attenders at Emmanuel, it, it, it has not moved. And then, and then if the numbers stay the same, I will get depressed as your pastor, I will get sad, and I'll spend a week, you know, like sleeping in my bed or maybe even under my bed, and then I'll bounce back. But if the numbers don't change, you have spoken. Like your life shows you whether or not you have faith. Not your mind. Oh, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. No, you don't. Your life shows whether or not you believe what Jesus said. So my wife and I give 10% of our income, and then we go above and beyond percent of our income to different projects like the Franklin campus or whatever. And then we serve, my wife serves in the children's ministry and I serve above and beyond, you know, what, what's called of me. Why? Because I wanna model it for you. Will, you. will you follow our example? Well, we've gone first, our staff has gone first. Will you just say, you know what, I'm all in on this deal? And I'll jump on board financially and I'll give some hours of my time to serve. Your life will reflect your belief system. Is that fair? All right, enough of that coaching. Let's talk about Jesus for a little bit as we wrap up. Jesus was really our ultimate example. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible. Paul says, you, you've heard about the, the cross and the death and the, and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Like you, you've heard about this abundant love that God has for us, this generous grace he calls it. And then he kind of explains what it, what it looks like. That though he was rich, though he was at the right hand of the Father, right? He was in heaven, that though, though he, was, he was in his glorified state, yet for your sake, for my sake, what did he do? He became, say it with me, poor. What does that mean? He descended, he left his throne, he took on the form of a man, he was born in a manger with, with donkeys and, and goats all around him and, and just, you know, what, all the stuff that you would find in a barn. Yet for my sake, for your sake, he became poor. The Bible says he took on the form of a servant and became a man. Why? So that by his poverty, he could make you and I, say it with me, rich. Not financially rich. Rich in spirit, rich in soul. He came to transfer his righteousness to us. He came to take our sinfulness upon himself. He came to transform our heart and make us rich in spirit and rich in soul. Does that include going to heaven when you die? Absolutely. But it also includes abundant life right here, right now in this life. Some of you have been thinking about giving your life to Christ and you haven't done it yet. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today after seeing it this way, the generosity of God, that though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich and find life the way he created it to be. Will you step into that right now? Will you receive that generous grace? I'm gonna say a simple prayer. If you feel led to do that, just bow your head and close your eyes. Right now in this holy moment, nobody getting up, leaving, distracting people. Do business with God right now. Place your faith in Christ. Tell him you believe in him. You believe he died on the cross for you. He rose again, conquering sin and death so that you can have abundant life and eternal life. Would you pray with me? Take these words, make them your own. Jesus, I trust you today. I step into your grace, your generous grace. 
I believe you came to this earth, took on the form of a man, stepped into my place, the place deserving death, and you took the hit for me. And you died in my place. I believe you rose again to wash away all my sin, all my shame, to make me a brand new person. And so I trust you today. I put my confidence in you today. Make me your child. And help me from this day forward to imitate your generosity. Help me to live for eternity. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Can we give God glory today for what he's done, folk guys? Come on. Raise it up. Raise it up. Come on. Really, really quick, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to get you started on a brand new walk with Christ with a, with a, a one-year New Testament. They're free in the back of the auditorium here to my right and to my left. If you prayed to receive Christ today watching online, there's a box there that you can click. And if you put your address in there, we'll, be, we'll send one of these to you in the mail. And uh, we just want you to get started on this walk with Christ and uh, become the person that God has created you to be. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Come on, raise it high. Come on. So this week, this week, as you leave, as you leave, take the broad view. Take the eternal perspective. Don't put your hope just right here in this life, but think about all of eternity and see what it does to your heart, see what it does to your checkbook, see what it does to your schedule. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven instead of just here on earth. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you for the instruction of your word, Jesus. Thank you for making it clear yourself and through Paul as he coached Timothy. Help us to imitate you in this generosity. It's the life that you've created for us. Your word says that there's a lot of people that are just greedy for more, but the godly love to give. God, may we develop such a vision of the generous life that we absolutely love to give and that it brings us joy and happiness and real solid hope for the future. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey guys, it's a joy to be with you today. God bless you. Bring your friends next week for week number three. See you soon.